Mac Power Users, episode 644. Some cool Mac utilities. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hello, Stephen. How are you today? I am good. I am doing well. You know, summer's here. Kids are out of school. It's a good time. Yeah, it is, man. And uh, and we are, uh, we've got the all the betas from WWDC to start playing with. The uh, it's it's fun time for us, right? It's yeah, like Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Well, in present time, I mean, <laughs> we're recording this a little out of time. So I, I guess if we're talking about Mac utilities and like Mac OS has some massive change, we don't know about it yet. <laughs> yeah, we're a little out of time, but still, okay. I, I do always feel like. Um, you know, in Canada, they have this great tradition called Boxing Day, the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. I feel like the week you get back from WWDC or the week after is when you start to like really look at your presence and see what they do. And uh, there you go. And we're entering that phase for the Mac community. I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff, and and hopefully we got a lot of of good things at WWDC as we record out of time. Yeah, I think so. I'm excited. Uh, I want to check in and see how the shortcut field guide is going. It is going great. I, uh, you know, I'm so happy with the responses I've been getting. The sales have been good. And more importantly, I'm hearing from a lot of folks that are like starting to get shortcuts for Mac figured out with the field guide. And I, I love that. You know, that's the reason I do this stuff. As this show goes to air, we are going to be entering the last phase of that introductory pricing. So make sure you get over there and check it out. Um, we'll put links in the show notes, but that's not going to be available for much longer. But uh, it's going well. And you know, one of the things I did with this one for the first time is there's two different SKUs. Uh, there's one where you can just buy the field guide, you know, like usual, or there's a kind of a plus version where we're going to do a video webinar series. And I'm getting ready to start that as the show goes to air. And there were a lot of people that signed up for that. And I, I, first of all, I really appreciate the support, but also. I'm really looking forward to doing this webinar series on shortcuts where I can, you know, answer questions and kind of go deeper on some stuff. And I expect that's going to add at least four more hours to this already long field guide. So it's, it's going to be fun. That's awesome. We have our Q and a show, which has modified slightly (laughs) the, uh, um, Steven has some stuff going on, so he couldn't make it to my house after all, but we, well, I am, I'm taking a rain check from you on that, Steven. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and honestly, we're going to, we're going to talk today in more power users about indoor studios and develop development of my add on. But by the time you come visit me, we're going to have a guest room with the daughter number one moving out and I'm going to have st- the studio built. So in, in a way it might be even better when you come, but it, we've got, we're doing a lot of work on the house for you, Stephen. So uh, I'm sorry you couldn't make it, but we're going to do still going to do the live Q and a show, but Steven and I are going to be both from our independent locations, but that's fine. Webinar uh, software makes that very possible. It'll be no different for everybody, except I won't have my buddy sitting next to me, uh, but that's still coming on. If you've got questions, please send them in. Before we move on, I did just, we don't really do follow up on Mac power users. I mean, we have our, our feedback episodes that we try to do every six weeks or so. But I really just wanted to take a second and point people to a story written by Federico Vitici. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago. And on that show, we talked about his sort of move from the iPad to the Mac with 
the M1 stuff and shortcuts and all the stuff going on in Monterey. And he has bundled all that up in a really just excellent article that he published at the end of May. That if you haven't seen it, uh, it's definitely worth the, you know, the time to go through it and read it because he really built the case about why he made this move. And this was written and published before WWDC. So any changes that maybe have come to the iPad, this is before all of that. But that aside, I think it's just a good look at where automation is on the Mac and how far Shortcuts has brought that into the future. It was really a fascinating article, and I was able to kind of read through it and talk through it with him behind the scenes before he published it. But um, if you don't regular regularly read Mac stories, uh, there'll be a link to this in the show notes. I think I think anyone who's interested in this stuff or who feels the tension kind of between the iPad and the Mac, I think this is a, a great read. And you know, this really um, inspires me. I think we need to do a whole episode on the general state of automation on the Mac. And it's, you know, the answer is it's good. Uh, but I think a lot of people are confused right now. It's like, where do I use shortcuts versus keyboard maestro versus Alfred versus Apple script? You know, we have this abundance of riches. And I think for people trying to like kind of get going with automation, aren't sure where to start now. They have so many choices that it's almost paralyzing. So we're going to add that to the list of future shows. If you've got deep thoughts on that, let us know. But um, I think that's going to definitely happen soon. How do you like how I dropped that on you, Stephen? No, it's good. No, we should talk about it because um, hopefully it's ever changing. So yeah, ever improving. Yeah, no, there, there are definitely times on the show where one of us is like, "That'll be a future episode," and the other one doesn't know it yet. It's like just quietly yeah. go to the spreadsheet and add it to the list. <laughs> All right, so today's show format is a little weird. Uh, We haven't done one like this, really, in the history of Mac Power Users, but Stephen and I both have been collecting a list of kind of nice and cool Mac utilities that have had recent updates or kind of landing on our radar, and none of them really justified a full show, but the list kept getting longer. So we decided to make a show called Cool Mac Utilities, And that's what we've got today. Some apps are just recently upgraded. Some apps are kind of new to us. But we're going to have fun today going through some cool Mac utilities. Yeah, this has been a fun one to put together. And like the software club, you know, this is a format we're playing with, like kind of checking in on something that we talk about on an ongoing basis that, like you said, yeah, none of these have like graduated. It's kind of how I think about it. None of them have graduated, have earned their degree to be a full episode but nonetheless are interesting and obviously like part of our ongoing conversation about these tools and utilities, especially on the Mac that can help us automate and smooth out our workflow. So yeah, we're going to explore a handful of those today. It's going to be fun. This episode of MPU is made possible by SaneBox, the only way I work through my email. So SaneBox is this really cool service. You hook it up to your email, and they don't lock you into a specific email program or service. You just authenticate it online, and then you automatically get great email filtering no matter where you are. And it's more than just getting rid of junk mail. They definitely do that. You have these really cool Sane folders that do different things. So you have Sane Later. This keeps your inbox clean by only showing you what really matters there. Emails that aren't important can go insane later and you can deal with them when you have more time. There's also the same black hole. 
you get that newsletter and maybe the unsubscribe link doesn't work, you're just tired of hearing from them, drag the message to the same same black hole, boom, you're never going to hear from that sender again. Of course, you can snooze and set reminders as well. And they have this really cool feature. If you're running out of space on your email service, you can move attachments on these messages to things like Dropbox or other cloud services, freeing up space in your email. Sandbox has various pricing plans. They start as low as about $4 a month. There's this really cool 14-day free trial. And uh, if you go to samebox.com MPU, you'll receive a $25 credit on any plan. Like I said, I would not be able to manage my email without SaneBox. I use all these features to help keep things under control because I get a lot of email just like everybody else. So again, that's samebox.com MPU. Two-thirds of MPU listeners who try SameBox end up subscribing, so go take full advantage of that 14-day trial. And when you sign up, samebox.com MPU, again, you'll receive a $25 credit on any plan. My thanks to SameBox for keeping my email under control and uh, for sponsoring MPU. Okay, I had to bite my tongue before the ad break when you said none of them have graduated because Keyboard Maestro is a definite graduate from... <laughs> <laughs> MP university, university, you know, it is, graduate but, degree, PhD, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but there's an update, I guess, is what we what we want to talk about. And uh, so, Keyboard Maestro is now up to version ten point one, which is, like you said, fully fully baked. Uh, but it brings some really interesting stuff. Um, Keyboard Maestro, and I feel like Better Touch Tool falls in this as well, even though that's uh, not in the list today. These are two applications that I feel like have really Change and evolved over time to take better advantage of what Apple itself is doing in the system. And in version uh, 10.1, we see a lot of really cool integration, both within Keyboard Maestro itself, but also within shortcuts to like tie these two applications together. You know, one question we see a lot, we get emails about this a lot, or we see it in the forum a lot of like, well, I'm starting out with automation, like where should I start? Or like what's the overlap between Keyboard Maestro and Better Touch Tool and Shortcuts and Automator and all these different things? And there definitely is a lot of overlap and it kind of depends on what you want to do and how you want to do it. But I think these new actions within Keyboard Maestro 10.1 do a good job at kind of bridging the two. So if you're like a lot of us and you have multiples of these apps running, you can now kind of uh, go across uh, the border and, and like do something in the other system. Uh, it's pretty cool. So you want to tell us about uh, a couple of these actions? Yeah. In fact, I want to just wind back a little bit because since we talked about Keyboard Maestro last, they upgraded to version 10, which we really didn't cover either. And if you look at versions 10 and 10.1 combined, I think it really is a big push in the direction of automation. I mean, that Keyboard Maestro is an automation tool, but integration with outside automation in particular. Uh, in version 10, they added a bunch of Apple Script support that wasn't there before. And it's always had Apple Script support, but it's made the integration even easier now. Um, they've added a lot of commands that, that just weren't available before via Apple Script that are there now. Uh, so I, I really like that. And then in the 10.1 update, they really focused on shortcuts. And so you can execute a shortcut, edit a shortcut, 
Um, you can, you know, pull shortcuts actions. You can get a variable from a shortcut, which is to me huge because now let's say you kick off something with a shortcut and you fill in a variable. Well, now you can grab that variable to use in a keyboard maestro action. So maybe you've, you're doing something that's a lot easier with keyboard maestro uh, for the second half of it. Well, just grab the variable out of shortcuts. You don't have to like put it in twice. And yeah. Uh, this is really nice. I mean, when keyboard, I'm sorry, when shortcuts launched and was announced, people are like, well, does that mean keyboard maestro doesn't need to be here anymore? And I'm tipping my hand as to that automation show, but the answer is they do different things, honestly. I mean, there are some things that keyboard maestro is supremely good at and shortcuts isn't capable of and vice versa. But with these new actions in keyboard maestro, you can integrate them very easily. You know, Apple is not going to write shortcuts in a way that can grab variables from Keyboard Maestro. That's just not the way they work, right? <laughs> right. But Keyboard Maestro will. And so now you can make an automation that effectively uses the best parts of both platforms. And that is awesome. Yeah, I think that it is like the, the crux of it for me is exactly what you said. It's like something that I can do um, a little bit easier than in shortcuts. And and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's just not possible in shortcuts or not possible in something else. And I think that's why these bridges are so important that you can bring something that's maybe super easy to do into shortcuts, bring it into a keyboard maestro workflow and execute the whole thing there. And it really, it kind of gives you the best of all of the tools together, right? Because with these new actions in keyboard maestro, you not only can you execute a shortcut, but you can choose to edit a shortcut or uh, pull in these variables in ways that just, it gives you more surface, I guess is what I'm getting to. It gives you more surface into your apps and the system. It's uh, it's super clever. And once, I mean, I've, I've, I've played with it some. My A lot of my stuff I had in Keyboard Meister has absolutely migrated to shortcuts, but being able to blend them I think is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it like increases your tool belt. I mean, I know that's a tortured analogy with automation, but it really is true on the Mac that you do have a screwdriver, a hammer, a chisel. You have a lot of tools, a lot more than you have on the iPhone and iPad side. And anytime you can make the tools work together better, you're going to end up making better automation. And, uh, this is a, a really nice update. And and honestly, the 10.1, which is the most recent, is really all about shortcuts. I mean, I think he was just taking his time to figure out the best way to make these integrations, but yeah. now they exist. But this combined with all the stuff we got in version 10.0 or 10.0. Do you say 10.0? I, I don't like to say O for zeros, you know? Yeah, it feels I'm a, really I'm a 10.0 kind of guy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, either way, uh, when you combine it with that, it really does add a bunch of of cool ideas and things you yeah. can do. And and the version 10.0 update, there's just a whole bunch of, of tools that have been added. The, the user input got better. The filters are better, like when you want to filter uh, mm -hmm. text or other things. Um, so it... I'm spending a lot of time with it right now because I'm working on a free update to the uh, Keyboard Maestro Field Guide. 
Um, it'll just be a, an update that goes anybody that owns it already. It'll just get added to the course materials. I'm actually in the midst of recording it now. And um, spending time like looking at these integrations is super exciting for me because there's stuff that, you know, shortcuts does better. And now I can use them, use them as one. It's like super automation set. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed too, I was scrolling through the release notes and I don't see it, but I'll, I'll say it anyways. Maybe it's, maybe it's a placebo, but I feel like if you're in the list of actions and you're searching for something, I feel like all, all of that just feels faster and more fluid. I don't know if that's actually the case or maybe it was in 10. Dot, what do we decide? 10.0. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed that in playing with and kind of rebuilding some stuff in it that the, the whole app feels uh, better. And I think that's good too. Uh, one of the things I really like um, is they added um, support for SF symbols and choosing icons for scripts. That's cool. And um, Keyboard Maestro always felt a little rickety for me with the, the script icons. You know, they had like, you can choose from any app, which is a good go-to. Like if you make a mail related app, just pick your mail app icon as mm-hmm. the icon. But it feels super modern when you add SF symbols to the mix. Definitely. I don't know about you, but I am using SF symbols so much. Do you find use for them? Yeah. I mean, I've actually reworked most of my stream deck buttons to use SF symbols. And I think particularly in keyboard maestros example, like I think a lot of those old icons were pretty outdated. Like they sort of had an aqua glossy look to them that felt out of place in Monterey. And this symbols not only look really good because the whole system uses San Francisco now, but keyboard master is kind of doing what shortcuts does where you can set like the color and the foreground and background color and stuff. And so you can really customize it. But yeah, man, I, I'm loving SF symbols. My only complaint is I wish Apple would make it even easier to use. Like there's an SF symbols application and you can copy stuff out of that, but you can't always paste them everywhere and if you want to work with them as text or you want to work with them as images it's sort of a sort of a weird workflow at times and i wish apple would kind of clean that up but it's so impressive just how many how many they have on hand it's it's pretty cool yeah so it's up to 3300 symbols at this Jeez. point <laughs> yeah and it, it's on the developer website but i don't think you need an active developer account to download it no i don't think you do and um, so I would, we're going to put a link to this in the show notes. I'd recommend anybody who does anything with, with graphics to check this out. Uh, one of the ways I'm using them, and I use them exclusively as text, is in keynote slides, right? If you yeah. want to make a keynote and have a little image of a Mac, uh, they've got a great one there. You can change the color, you change the font size of the imported image or the imported text, and you just literally drag it out of the SF Symbols app into Keynote. I use it. I'm just finding all sorts of uses for it. I'm not even sure if the uses I have are like strictly within Apple's license guidelines, but they (laughs) made them for for apps and you see them all the time in apps. You know, they just wanted to make a nice set of icons, but um, I'm using them in OmniFocus perspectives. I'm using them like anywhere I need an image, it's there. Yeah, I, I'm seeing them show up more and more in third-party applications where having, you know, kind of like a keyboard mice, right? Custom icons, maybe how it used to be done. But now a developer can go in and pull from this 
this ever growing list. I mean, you said it's what thirty three hundred. Uh, they add new ones pretty frequently, and so having having these in apps, like not only does it create consistency within an application, but it also over time is creating more consistency in between applications on iOS. I don't think we see them quite as much in macOS yet. I feel like they're much more prevalent in i on the iPad and the iPhone. But it's definitely a great addition to Keyboard Maestro because you can have that unified look and keep things neat and tidy. And I really dig the aesthetic of right, like a simple background color, just art in a clear, contrasty foreground color. So it's easy to see at small sizes. And that's really key in a lot of this stuff, right? Like if you have a list of workflows or actions, I want to be able to kind of tell quickly what's what. And SF Symbols, I think, does a much better job at that than the old keyboard maestro icons. Yeah, and they just look really nice. They do look nice. (laughs) Yeah, I think we went off on a little bit of a tangent there. That's okay. We love SF Symbols. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, I do think that a lot of people aren't aware of them, and it's kind of useful. Like another use for them is shortcuts icons. If you make shortcuts, um, they have a built-in set, but you can do better, you know. Uh, the only thing I wanted to touch on in Keyboard Maestro is that we've talked about running shortcuts within Keyboard Maestro, but it also has actions donated back to shortcuts. So you don't have to use Keyboard Maestro as the, you know, like the triggering application, if you will. You yeah. can have a shortcut that then executes a macro from Keyboard Maestro itself. So it works both ways. Yeah, so they have application actions for Keyboard Maestro now right in shortcuts. And they're engine-related things, like you can edit a macro in Keyboard Maestro, which you kick off with a shortcut. You can execute a Keyboard Maestro macro. So think about that for a second. If you have like a keyboard, a related Keyboard Maestro macro that does something fancy with a server, right? Something that's not that easy to do in shortcuts. Um, and you just have a shortcut that runs and does all the other work. And then at the end, rather than forcing you to go in Keyboard Maestro and manually start it, you just kick off the Keyboard Maestro script right from within shortcuts. Uh, you can search it. You can get a macro. You can run calculations, process tokens. You can run search and replace on a Keyboard Maestro macro. And I haven't played with that one yet. I've got it on my list for the update. Um I don't know exactly how far I can go down the stack with that. Like, can I actually modify an existing keyboard maestro macro based on a shortcut input? If so, that would be great. Uh, and you can also set and get variables. So again, you know, thinking about that workflow I was talking about earlier, where you run a, a, a keyboard maestro macro that then sets or pulls data from a variable and shortcuts, you can do the inverse of that from inside shortcuts. And it's just using the get um, variable and then execute uh, the Keyboard Maestro command or set variable, depending on what you're doing. So Peter from Keyboard Maestro is really dedicated to making automation amazing on the Mac. And of course, he's not going to run away from shortcuts. He's going to embrace it. And uh, there's just a lot there. I think one of the, the cooler actions donated to shortcuts is the calculations tool from keyboard maestro which if you haven't played with it i mean it's so much more than i would ever need like there's this function list on the keyboard maestro wiki like i don't even know what some of these do 
I did not take enough math in college. Yeah, I know. Statistics, you know, like they get into like advanced math and yeah. like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And you can run all of that within shortcuts. So if you if you like the way Keyboard Maestro handles those sorts of things, uh, or there may be things on this list that you can't do otherwise in shortcuts uh, very easily, you can now bring in that logic from Keyboard Maestro and have it as a step in your shortcut just in line with your with your other stuff. So uh, again, like I don't, I don't know what all these calculations do, but they seem very impressive. And so if that's your jam, then uh, you can do those in shortcuts now. It is kind of interesting to me how like on the Mac more than the iPhone and the iPad outside developers are plugging holes and shortcuts very quickly. Like they're bringing functions in that just aren't generally available on mobile. And that's because they have these powerful Mac apps and I don't think Apple really has a lot of say as to what they donate to shortcuts. You know, no, it's in I, a, I don't think there's any sort of approval or anything. It just happens. Yeah, and, and apps like Keyboard Maestro and Better Touch, you're buying them from the website or or set app or whatever, but outside of the app store. So they're just like going hog wild on adding actions to shortcuts that I wish we had on iPhone and iPad. Yeah, and maybe some of that will come. I would like a way, now I'm just like off in imagination land, but like it would be nice if there were a way to like sit, take this calculation action from Keyboard Maestro. Like could Apple build a way where a Mac developer could isolate that and have it on iOS without their whole application, right? Like without porting all of Keyboard Maestro, like could they bundle up into like a shortcuts plugin and have that available on iOS and iPad OS without the rest of the app. Like, I don't know how feasible it is from a development perspective, but it would sure help this problem because uh, I totally agree with you. I think some of the actions that have been donated to shortcuts over the last year on the Mac, some of them have been really surprising to me. And it's been really encouraging to see how quickly some of these developers are getting it done but it does kind of leave the iPhone and maybe even particular the iPad kind of leaves it out of the party a little bit. And it'd be nice if there were a way to bring some of this great stuff on the Mac, bring that back to the mobile versions of shortcuts. And, and you know, it's funny because we're recording this two days before the keynote. And I have no qualms about you saying that because I am certain they're not going to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> if they do, I'll seem like a genius. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> This episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by Text Expander, your shortcut to efficient, consistent communication. Get 20% off. Just go to textexpander.com slash MPU. I'm so happy to have the original sponsor of the Mac Power Users back, Text Expander, which is one of my favorite utilities to start automating on your Mac. There are plenty of text expansion tools out there, but there are none of them like Text Expander. With Text Expander, not only can you do simple fill-ins, you can use your clipboard, you can auto-insert the date, you can hit the tab key. There's just a host of features in Text Expander that don't exist anywhere else. I have thousands of snippets in my Text Expander library. It's how I get through text and it saves me so much time. In fact, they send me reports all the time telling me how many minutes and hours I've saved. And every year, I literally save days of working time using Text Expander. 
If you've always been leery about getting into these automation tools, Text Expander is a great place to start because it's really simple. They make it super easy to set this up and start saving time immediately. And if you work on a team, Text Expander helps you with that too because you can create Text Expander snippets that you can distribute to your team so everybody has the same message and there's no problems. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest for you. You build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander, and you're good to go. Often people write me asking for links to one of my field guides. Well, I've got Text Expander snippets for all of them, and I just type URL shortcuts for Mac, and then they get the Text Expander snippet giving them the exact URL. I don't have to go look it up anymore. I have so many uses for Text Expander, and I bet you will too if you give it a try. Text Expander is available on any device you use across any app you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. So check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com/mpu and you can get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com/mpu to say goodbye to repetitive typing and hello to automation. So our thanks to Text Expander one more time for supporting the Mac Power users. That URL one last time, textexpander.com slash MPU. Thanks, Text Expander. Okay, up next is something that we have we've danced around this for several weeks now on the show. Uh, and that is Raycast, which is this new uh, launcher on Mac OS. Similar to Alfred or Launch Bar or Quicksilver, kind of in that vein, right? You have a keyboard shortcut, it fires up search, you can use it as a launcher. But Raycast really comes at things in a different way. And we both have been using it. There's been a lot of talk about it on the forum as well. Uh, let's start with you. How how have you fe- found your time with Raycast? And where do you think it sort of stands out? Because honestly, like the launcher market on the Mac is really good. There's a lot of really good stuff there. So is there room for a new player? Yeah. In the past, we've focused on the two leading contenders, which are LaunchBar and Alfred. And both of us, I believe, have been pretty aggressively using Alfred for the last few years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everybody's talking about Raycast. This one's kind of like been emerging pretty quickly. So when you and I talked about it, we both agreed to install it. And I've been running it exclusively, I think, over a month now. And, uh, it, you know, I guess the short version of this is, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, I don't think it is massively superior to the other two. And in some ways it's worse in some ways it's better, but you know, there is another contender in this space now. So to launch a shortcut from Raycast, you activate Raycast and type the name of the shortcut. And, you know, so that is the simplest method. And, and I'll say that I launch shortcuts exclusively from uh, Alfred and launch Alfred and Raycast these days. It's very rare that I launch them any other way because it's just so easy. Yeah, that that's my main method. I don't put a lot in the menu bar. I uh, I do, of course, go in the shortcuts app when I'm working on shortcuts. But generally, when I want to launch one, I do it via one of those methods, or I launch it via like a terminal command uh, historically in Keyboard Maestro. But now I don't need to do that anymore either. But so with Raycast you can just type the name of the shortcut. Now with Alfred, there's a plugin. So I, and I've set the command SC, you know, shortcuts. 
So if I just type SC space, then it starts searching my shortcuts. I don't know which one is particularly better. That's why I kind of, I'm not like an enthusiastic supporter of Raycast. I think it's good, but uh, you know, it's not the end all be all. I think if you're using Alfred, you know, there's, there's advantages to the way Alfred launches shortcuts because when I type SC space, then it's only indexing my shortcuts. Right. So I only get a list of my shortcuts and on some, you know, when I do the search in Raycast, sometimes I start typing the name of shortcut, but there's files that have similar names and other things that have similar names. And suddenly it's hard to find the shortcut when, whereas when you kind of laser into just searching shortcuts and it only takes typing two letters to do that, uh, I find it a little more effective. So I, I'm not sure that it is necessarily better. It's different, but not necessarily better. There were several things that kind of occurred to me that way in in my comparison of Raycast to shortcuts. Like there are some things that are more useful. Like there's a modality to Raycast that I think is pretty cool. Like if I do a search in Raycast for a folder, and then I click out of Raycast to the Finder or to Safari or whatever, but then I open up Raycast, it still has the folder selected that I had searched before in Raycast. Uh, whereas in Alfred, um, once it dismisses the Alfred window and you trigger Alfred again, it's back to square one. You know, you, you've lost that folder. You'd have to go look for it again or whatever. But I can't decide what I like better. You know, like occasionally it's really nice to go back into Raycast and have it, you know, pick up where I left off. But occasionally I go back in and I don't want to see that again. I want to start over again. And it's really trivial to do that in Raycast. But there are there are differences for which I, it's not clear to me that one is a clear winner, but they're, you know, they're different opinions, which is really what we want, right? Because the more people making powerful keyboard launchers with their own opinions, the better it is, the more likely you are to find one that fits your kind of default set of opinions. Yeah. You mentioned plugins for Alfred. There is an extensions uh, collection for Raycast. Uh, you can get to it within the application, and there are quite a few of them. It's definitely I don't think it's as robust as something like Alfred or Launch Bar because those have been around longer, and you can't fault yeah. Raycast for that. But there are some interesting things in here uh, in the extensions section. Have you found any that really jump out at you? Well, we talked when Federico was on the show about lightsaber mode. Of course, I love <laughs> right. that. You know, How could we so forget? You <laughs> lightsaber mode and your cursor turns into a lightsaber and it makes the lightsaber noise. Not only does it make the, the startup lightsaber noise as you move your mouse around the screen, it also makes the whooshing noise of a lightsaber, which I can never keep this thing active more than like five minutes. I love <laughs> Star Wars and it is it gets tedious really fast. But, you know, that is kind of like a a nod of whimsy that I find mm-hmm. with Raycast, which is kind of fun. There is an extension called my schedule, which I just open Raycast and type my schedule and it gives me today's date and shows me my appointments. And because I block schedule, it's actually really useful and it's just a really quick way to see my whole schedule for the day. Yeah. I think that's really nice. I honestly never could get in the habit of using it in the last month because I've already got that done. You know, I like I've got the, you know, the fantastic menu bar thing that I can activate and see the schedule for the day. The appointments show up on my watch. They show up on my 
status bar iPad that's below. So I've already got all that data coming to me from different places. But if you don't have like a solution for that and you want to be able to easily see your schedule, I, I thought that was like a nice extension. I guess you'll call these extensions, but it's really more a feature. Uh, the window management in Raycast is superior to Alfred and LaunchBar, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have done a really good job with the, you know, just resize the window and make that part of my launcher app. Now, the problem for me is I've already solved that problem with a combination of Moom and Keyboard Maestro. But I do like their sizing, like almost full screen. They've got some that are just kind of like written with a little sense of humor, but also very useful. And um, uh, that's something I really do like about the app. I found myself using those. Yeah, I like the window the window sizing too. I want to talk a little bit about how it works. So say that you've got Safari in the foreground and then you bring up one of those window management commands. So say bottom half, which is kind of a fun one, and you just hit enter, that frontmost window is what's affected. So it's it's looking at whatever's in the foreground and then it automatically resizes it and moves it into place for you. And I like that it does the foreground window. I found myself a couple of times trying when I was trying to get used to it, like maybe not even really realizing what was the foreground window and something else would happen that I wasn't expecting. Because a lot of the other window management tools, like I use uh, I use better snap tool for this. It is cursor driven, right? So I drag a Safari window to the side and it takes up that side of the screen or I drag it to the top and it, it takes up the whole screen, whatever, however I have it set up. Making that keyboard driven was new to me. It's very fast once you get used to it. But if you're using something that is a little more cursor driven, I think there is a little bit of a time to get used to that. Yeah. Like, and they have so many so- sections like top center sixth, you know, yeah. <laughs> top three fourths, you know, bottom three fourths. I mean, they've got a lot to choose from. And if you don't want to mess around with setting this stuff up, then this is great. Like, I have attach all of this to the keyboard command control command with the air, combinations of arrow keys. And as a result, I have, um, I really move windows around fast and it's second nature to me. I don't even think about it anymore. So I think this is slower than the way I do it. But if you just want it to be done for you, they've got this built in and this is definitely something that they do that none of the other keyboard launchers do. There's a lot more to it, though. I mean, kind of going through these, I was looking at the stuff I do in Alfred to compare. Uh, the calculator, you know, works like the calculator in Alfred. It doesn't feel any better. One thing it does do, however, is gives you the results spelled out. And back when I was doing writing a lot of contracts, a lot of times we would write down not only the number in digits, but we would spell it out. And I thought that was kind of cool. They've got that built into uh, Raycast where you can get that. Um, time zone conversion, uh, they've got it baked into Raycast, whereas with Alfred, you need to add a community plugin. Uh, I think I just typed TZ, but I like the way it is affected by the Alfred plugin better than the way Raycast does it. Raycast requires you to know the time zone abbreviations, mm-hmm. you know, or, or gives you an error. Um, whereas with uh, the time zone uh, plugin I use in Alfred, it just gives me the list of ones that I want because there's a few that I always want. I always want to know what time, 
you know, it is in Memphis, you know, because you and I do stuff together. And it just gives me that when I just type TZ, I don't have to go any further. Yeah. So I find it easier to do that in Alfred. And if maybe if I used Raycast another six months that I would get a faster workflow for that. Uh, same thing with currency conversion. Uh, it's built into Raycast, but you have to know the conversions. Like I was trying to figure out how to convert money from us dollars to pounds and if you type in pounds it gives you an error and eventually i figured out if i type g uh, gbp great british pounds then it works but it took me some messing around to figure that out and i uh i just wasn't sure and, and now i've got it under my fingers i would probably remember it but the plugin i use with uh, alfred makes it a lot easier one thing i really like about raycast is it's apple notes integration so it's an extension you can turn on and it searches basically everything within apple notes you can do that in alfred Uh, i've got a plugin that does it the plugin is powerful but a little bit tedious and i'll have the link in the show notes to it but you have uh with this this plugin for alfred you can search like the titles or the body it's kind of broken into a couple different categories of search Whereas yeah. with Raycast, basically you can search anything in notes. You can create a new note really easily. And a lot of people are big Apple Notes users, including myself. And I I really have gotten to a point where like if I just know I need to open a note, I just do it from Alfred. And so that was a very fluid transition for me into Raycast, just continuing to hit the the trigger keyboard shortcut and start typing a note name and then it, it coming up. Yeah. File support is something that often comes up with these apps. You know, you can run your file system through them. I remember at one point back in the day when Quicksilver was the new thing, people were literally disabling the Finder on their Macs mm-hmm. and just running all file management through, you know, uh, through Quicksilver. By the way, Quicksilver is still in development. I just downloaded it. So, yes, <laughs> there's another player. But the, uh, either way, uh, so I um, I really think that uh, Raycast needs work here. Uh, it does a good job of finding a file or folder for you. It gives you nice basic information on it, but you can't dance around it the way you can with Alfred. And uh, the trick in Raycast is Command-K. Once you select something, then it gives you some options. But I just found it to be much faster in Alfred. And I feel like this is something that is, they're just working on. And like with Alfred, you can move files. And I could not figure out how to move files with Raycast. And I didn't write the developer. I probably should have. Maybe there's an easy way. But it wasn't intuitive or easy for me to find. Whereas with Alfred, I can actually move a file when I find it. Not necessarily just have to go to the Finder window. But I, I do feel like uh, file support needs work. They have a feature in Raycast called floating notes, which I think is brilliant. And all it is is that you and and uh, you combine that with the keyboard shortcut because in Raycast you can add a keyboard shortcut to any command. But it will have it's just a little floating pane with a text field, and you can write notes into it. So if you're on the phone with somebody and they're like, "Oh, let me give you my phone number," and you never know where to type it down, you just hit the button. Raycast pops open a little window. It's almost like a drafts window or you know, there, there's a bunch of apps that like give you a quick text file, but putting it on a launcher makes a lot of sense to me. And having it pop open so you can write down a quick bit of information there that you can later move to somewhere else, or maybe you just need the phone number for 10 minutes. 
Um, I find that actually a really nice feature that none of these other apps do. I like its ability to have a shortcut for any workflow. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with, with an Alfred, like command space launches Alfred for me. And then the first few characters can be the beginning of a command or it like points Alfred in a certain direction. I guess it's kind of the same concept. Um, I think at the end of the day, I prefer the way Alfred works because I have one keyboard shortcut and then I'm just in Alfred land and I can go from there. But the other way I think has merit too. Well, I mean, like when Federico was on the show, he was talking about how he's having trouble with shortcuts, keyboard launching, like shortcuts has a built-in feature where you hit a keyboard command and it launches the shortcut. But sometimes for whatever reason, it doesn't work. Whereas if you just take launching that shortcut as a raycast command, it will always work. And then once you attach a keyboard shortcut to that, that will always work. So there are some uses for it, but generally I didn't find it to be a huge thing that I, I Hmm. really feel I need. Um, Like you, I'm very efficient in Alfred. Yeah. And I guess we should just qualify this. You know, you and I are not coming to Raycast from the vacuum. You know, I mean, if you had never used a launcher before and you pick up Raycast, it's amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it absolutely is amazing. But the thing is, both of us have spent a lot of time with the competitors and we're both already fans of this, this idea of hit a keyboard shortcut and make your Mac do a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, um, and so, so that's why we're comparing these as opposed just to saying like being amazed by some of the stuff because we're used to this working for us. But, but like I say, the, the floating note, that's not anywhere else. And I think it's a good feature. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, what do you think of the user interface of it? Uh, I don't mind it. It's definitely much more modern than anything in Alfred or probably launch bar, honestly, where it's all kind of has that heads up display look and everything is within the, the one kind of window and it, it resizes as you need it. I think it's fine. I think there's some, I think some of the data density is a little bit weird, like in some of the, the lists, but overall, like it looks nice and new and modern and, and that's fun. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of white space. Again, it's it's opinionated. Um, with yeah. Alfred, uh, you can really make almost any user interface you want, and there's community ones. So if you yep. don't like the way it looks, you can make it look better. Yeah, I got my own custom theme in Alfred that I use on both my Macs. And I have no doubt that if you spend a little time in Alfred, you could probably make one that looks a lot like Raycast. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that um, I prefer, in this case, Alfred's, uh, you know, options because it does give you options. And and I, I know the segment sounds like a hit piece on Raycast. The more I talk, no, no, but I really like it. You know, it's just, there's things in there that I think need pointing out. Yeah. And it, it is, uh, it is much newer. Right. And so they are starting kind of from scratch, but at the same time, it means like with things with the UI, you're just building something new. This is how newer apps look right? Like Alfred version four. And we should say version five of Alfred has been teased. We don't know anything about it yet, but Alfred version four has been around a long time. And because of that, it carries some of that historic baggage, but I wouldn't mind more customization in Raycast. That's for sure. Basically you have lighter dark mode and you have like text sizes and that's pretty much it in terms of customization. Yeah. And it'd be good for them, I think, to adopt some of that from these other utilities. I do think the workflows in Alfred 
at least at this point in history, are more powerful than the Raycast extensions. I haven't seen anything coming in like some of the stuff available, like the the OmniFocus Alfred workflow I use is, is amazing. You know, I can drill down to a folder or a project or a task very fast and the support they have in Raycast can't really hold a candle to that. The um, Like I created custom workflows in Alfred where if I, like when I was uh, practicing law, if I just typed SL space, then it would only search folders in my Sparks Law client database. So if I wanted to very quickly jump to a client folder, I just type SL space, then the name of the company, and I was there. And uh, I shared how to do that in the labs, by the way, for labs members. If you look back, it's in the archive. But it's just, you know, stuff like that, it, you know, Raycast hasn't got there yet. I, it, you know, I think it's an up-and-comer, you know. Yeah. Um, the one thing I don't like about it, you know, researching the app for today's show is that they just took a $15 million capital um, mm. raise. And, you know, Alfred and LaunchBar, to my knowledge, don't do that. They're just independently developed apps. You know, the developers make money when you buy the app. They don't go out to uh, quote unquote angels for money. And a lot of times when companies start taking money like that, that always makes me nervous, you know, because I don't know. You know, how do you pay them back? You know? Yeah. And currently Raycast is free for individuals, but there's a team license. Uh, because I think Raycast, like its background really comes out of like a launcher for software developers. And if you really dig into the extensions, a lot of those are very sort of uh, nerdy in a bunch of ways. But it is a, a business model that is distinctly different from Alfred Launch Bar where you pay. Right, you pay for a yeah. license. Maybe they have some free, a free tier that has limited functionality. But Raycast is approaching this differently, and that is something to be aware of because at some point they're going to have to contend with that. Yeah, makes me a little nervous. I'm not trying to say that's bad or that this is an evil company. I think I'm sure the people at Raycast just want to make an awesome launcher and raising capital gets, allows you to hire more people and add more features and you know and grow the, grow the app. But that's something to be aware of. Um, I don't know. I Right now, my kind of thoughts on it are it's not obviously better than the competitors because there's so much talk about it. I got thinking, well, what am I missing? This thing must just be killer. It didn't really um, feel that way to me. It felt to me like a really solid start and it still needs some work. It's got a few things about it that are that are better. I like that it has some features that don't exist on the competitors. I mean, that's competition. And suddenly, you know, everybody's going to start raising the bar against each other. I like that. Um, but my takeaway after a month plus of usage is I'm going to go back to Alfred. Yeah, me too. But I'm, I want to keep a close eye on this because I do think it's interesting. And, you know, maybe in the future, we'll, we'll circle back to this. I think especially once we know whatever Alfred five is going to bring, because I mean, like, as we're recording this yesterday, they had a basically a blog post up saying, hey, it's coming. Send, you know, sign up if you want to learn more in the future. So this is a evolving, changing corner of the Mac OS ecosystem. And I think that's really exciting. Like a lot yeah. of people use these. And for me, uh, definitely for you, I know as well, like if I sit down in front of a Mac without Alfred set up, then I, uh, like I am slower. Like it makes me faster and more efficient at these things I do every day. And that does make it hard to switch, right? It does make it hard to adopt another tool because you have your own like workflows and custom keyboard shortcuts and everything. 
But if you're in the market or just wanting to explore different things, definitely take a look at Raycast. I mean, the most frequent comment I get from non-power users who watch me use a Mac is usually triggered by the way I use Alfred. Like we had a, a family member who's a professional musician over recently, and I wanted to show him some stuff I'm doing on my Mac. And I sat down and before I even got like logic rolling, he's like, wait, what just happened? You know, because, you know, I, I use some very quick tricks in, uh, in Alfred to get to the right folder, launch the file, do, do a bunch of stuff really quick. And more interested, even though this guy is a professional musician, he was more interested in how I made that happen mm-hmm. than anything to do with music. And I feel like that that's like the Mac power user, you know, theme, right? That we just make our Macs do stuff that other people just scratch their head at. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of MPU is made possible by Indeed. You've looked at your business's hiring from every angle, but there's something that you feel is missing. In your core, you know it could be faster and better. Well, you're right, and Indeed can help you get there. Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Indeed Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data in the U.S. One of the things that's really cool about Indeed is how they just know how to make hiring pain-free. Like with virtual interviews, and I had a family member go through this, uh, getting hired for a job. They could message, schedule, the interview, everything was just all in one place. It was really seamless. Indeed makes it really easy to connect with applicants. There's no need to install anything extra. Those virtual interviews work from your browser, just wherever you are. It's really cool. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. They're an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times as many hires as all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest in 2019. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. Sign up for Indeed and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job, plus earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash MPU to learn more. Indeed, I-N-D-E-E-D, Indeed.com slash MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the show and Relay FM. So another one that I uh, I thought would be fun to talk about today is iStat menus. This comes up once in a while on the show, but we've never given it a full show. This this definitely is a cool Mac utility that people should know about. It is, uh, and it's one that's been around a long time and and like some of the launchers it has changed and evolved with the times but sort of the elevator pitch here is that you can put diagnostic information about your mac in your menu bar and one of the things that i think is really cool about this is how customizable it is so you can pick exactly what you see in the menu bar you can pick exactly what you see when you click on that when it has its its built-in menu that drops down. 
And you can kind of, it's kind of like a Lego set. You can kind of build your own menu bar app, really. And it has all these different sections you can kind of snap together. So it can be used to look at your CPU and GPU utilization, memory usage and pressure. Uh, and these things are available elsewhere in the system. Like you can go open Activity Monitor and see all of this stuff. You can run commands like top and other things in the terminal and get a lot of this information. But I set many surfaces in a way that's really visual with nice charts. You can even pick the colors of the charts and graphs. Like it's so customizable. You can also look at network activity, disk usage and activity. Uh, I think what a lot of people use it for is looking at temperatures and fan speed. So you can see exactly what your machine is up to uh, inside and then they've added some features over the years like clock and weather and stuff. But uh, definitely a cool kind of favorite Mac app for a lot of people. And one thing that's always impressed me with it over time is that, you know, anytime there's a new system, right? Like forget Intel to Apple Silicon, but like the Mac Studio that I'm talking through right now. You know, they had to uh, get one, I assume. I know that the, <laughs> I know that in the 2019 Mac Pro days, like, they had one and they were like figuring out which fan was red as what in the system. And, you know, they have to put their hands on this hardware and, and work out where these sensors are and what they're reading and pull that in. But what you get as a user is a really good look of like, Hey, why is the fan spinning on my laptop? And you can see, Oh, the CPU is doing this and it's at this temperature. And like, it, it can be a very useful tool to help understand what your computer is up to. Yeah, one of my big uses for it is just CPU usage. You know, like it, it suddenly my computer seems to be running a little slow. I'll just go in iStat and check out, you know, where is the CPU at? And I'll see it's pegging. And then that that's all I need to go into Activity Monitor and find out that, you know, some silly app or some, you know, some silly website is suddenly like demanding a lot of resources from my computer. And there's just not a in my experience, not a better way to quickly find out if there's a problem or not. I, I really find it as a diagnostic tool, not really as a repair tool. And it takes up room in your menu bar. So that's always a question. Do you want all those charts and graphs in your menu bar? And, uh, you know, when you combine it with bartender, it's actually pretty easy to have them there because you don't see them most times. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, and I've got a screenshot in the show notes of my setup in the menu bar, I just have two small graphs, CPU and GPU. And when I click on that, then I can go and drill down into seeing uh, seeing all of these things. Um, and I should say before anyone freaks out, I had, in the screenshot, I have the temperature set for Fahrenheit. It is not 93 degrees Celsius on my CPU core. That would be that'd be bad news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is it is very useful to see what's going on. I mean with slowdowns or with, uh, for me, I mean, the big thing is, especially like on a notebook is like, it's just fan noise or like heat is like, what is this computer? Like clearly this computer is doing something. Give me information about what it is. And again, you can go dig that up elsewhere, but iStat menu gives you a really nice place all in sort of one nice looking app to see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, Another good use for this is disk space. If you're like on the hairy edge of filling up your SSD, um, this will give you kind of a status of how 
how much space you have left at any time just with mousing over it in the menu bar, which is pretty, pretty useful. So can we just take a minute to talk about how we've set up our iStat menus? Yeah, sounds great. Because when you open the app, there's a bunch of stuff you can do with it. You know, they do have like their own weather and clock and that's cool. But for me, the real use of this is kind of the diagnostic information. Mm-hmm. Which ones have you turned on? Uh, so I just went just full ham. Um, oh, really? I've got uh, CPU and GPU turned on. And, I, you know, on Silicon, on the Apple Silicon Mac, like the distinction between those two things yeah. isn't quite <laughs> right. what it used to be. Like. Yeah. On my Mac Pro, it would list the CPU and then it would have the big, you know, AMD MPX module as like a separate entry. But I like being able to see the percentages as well as the uh, I have mindset to the top 10, the top 10 processes. And that's really what we mean of like the computer feels like it's doing something. Well, if I open that and Slack is taking, you know, 230% CPU, it's like, okay, Slack, you're clearly doing something you shouldn't be doing let me just relaunch you and as i look at it now i'm recording a podcast nothing is above four percent i mean it's uh it's very easy to to see that um so yeah cpu and gpu and again those are the things i have up as the menu bar item and then it's also the first section in the drop down yeah i so i've gone back and forth on this over the years like the network information, like how fast is it uploading and downloading? I occasionally find that, that I need that. Like I'm doing something and I'll be plugged into the Ethernet and it doesn't seem like it's working and I can like get actual details about my upload speed. And so I as after all these years of like fiddling with these things, finally about, I don't know, a year ago, they've got what they call a combined uh, version of the tool set. And you click one box at the bottom of the iStat menus bar, and then it just puts one combined widget in, yeah. and I put it in Bartender, and I have not looked back since I turned that on. So I just use the combined one now. Yeah, I do too. It's all uh, it's all under those one thing because I, I don't need five. I mean, even with the Pro Display XDR, like I don't need five or eight graphs like spanning all the way yeah. across. I show memory as well. And I mean, that seems silly because I've got what do I have in this machine, 64 gigabytes of RAM. But, you know, I kind of like seeing that <laughs> I paid for more than enough. Um, it'll show you what's active, uh, what's free at the moment. So right now I'm, I've used about half of it. And it also shows you what processes are using the most amount of mem- memory. On this machine, I don't really worry about that. But if you're on a macbook air with eight gigabytes of ram it may be nice to know that dropbox is taking four gigs of that right and so that can be again it's just giving you information about what could be going on um it it is actually quite satisfying with the apple silicon age to see that your ram is only about half being used at any time mm -hmm. i mean yeah good to know right you know like and also good to know if you were ever to upgrade like well how much am i actually using and then you just check istat you'll you'll see they do have a lot you can do with it. I mean, uh, you can really drag They've got a drag and drop interface where you can really like change things. Like if you want to know what the CPU performance core number two sensor is reading for temperature, 
you know, by golly, you can do that with ice mm-hmm. tap, you know, whatever it yep. is that you're looking at. That's to, the most important sensor to you. You can yeah, see it. <laughs> and you can put it in the menu bar. You can put that sensor in That's the menu right. bar. So, so it, it is really great. We, we didn't mention earlier, and uh, this is the third rail of recording before WWDC, but this started out, you know, um, it didn't start out as a menu bar app. It started out on the dashboard, you know. Oh, man, I had totally forgotten about that, but you're right. Yeah, so maybe by the time the show airs, we have a dashboard again. <laughs> hey, I don't know, but uh, that'd, be, that'd be okay with me. But if we do have one, I'm sure iStat menus will be there. You know, yep, if you want, they'll, they'll be know. ready. Um, we mentioned disk and network; that both, those are both really cool. But I, I do want to touch on the the sensors for a second. It does show you your temperatures. So now in Celsius, you know, mine is 32 de- degrees Celsius. The Mac yeah. Studio runs very cool, but the Mac Studio, you know, has this weird thing about it where the fans are always spinning audibly. It's one reason I moved mine under my desk. And they're basically, the, they're two fans. They're basically always locked at this machine at about 1300 RPM. And they never drop below that. And it's really hard to get them to go faster than that. It's like this weird quirk of this machine and some people have complained about it, about the noise the Mac Studio makes. And it is weird because the MacBook Pro, I mean, it has, you know, similar hardware, a little bit lower power depending on the SKU, but it's silent. But uh, it, you can see what each one of these is doing. And on the Mac Pro, it was a lot of fun because you had three fans and you had the blower and you had, I mean, the Mac Pro has like a billion temperature sensors in it. It's wild. Like when you see it on yeah. that machine. Yeah. Uh, but it gives you an idea of, again, you know, sort of what's going on. And, and I think it's fun to see all this. Like, it's it's fun to see, okay, well, this is why I hear this machine. Um, but it also shows you total power being used by the machine. And right now, again, I'm recording a podcast, but it's about 20 watts of power. Uh, that's all the the Mac Studio is using right now. So you can kind of see the efficiency of the hardware in this. and. It's uh, it's good to see that you know, like my money's working hard for me. Yeah, and, and you know, it has been funny to watch over the years using this app, the CPU bar grow horizontally. You know, yeah. Where you know, when I first got it, there was CPU had one graph in it, and then over the years, it it got more and more as these multi-core CPUs came out, and with Apple Silicon. You know, it's taking linear inches, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it really turns into something over time. But yeah, I, I really like this app. This is another one that's available via setup. I, I feel like, you know, whether you want to buy it outright or if you're parts of setup, I think that um, this is one if you're, you know, kind of a Mac nerd and you want to just keep track of things. Um, it's useful. I, I don't look at it constantly. Like I say, I keep it in a bartender menu, but if at any point I feel like something is odd, the first thing I do is check iStat menu. Yeah, I think that's really what it's what it's there for. I mean, it is fun, like on like on the Mac Pro when I was export something out of Final Cut to like see the GPU be maxed out for minutes at a time. It's like, oh, that's you know, it's kind of cool. Like I'm actually making this computer work because yeah. so, so many times now, with especially in the Apple Silicon Age, but even on my Mac Pro, it was like I can't ever get this computer to. <laughs> <laughs> to work hard uh, because like they're, they're I, all... I want to get my money's worth exactly Nicholas. you know yeah. <laughs> and uh and so you can actually kind of see that but yeah it is a fantastic troubleshooting tool 
Um, and it's affordable. I mean, it, it's 12 bucks for a single license or 15 bucks for a family pack. So if you have more than one Mac and, you know, I've, I've had, I mean, if you talk about things in my application folder, few things have been there as long as this tool and seeing them continually update it and support new hardware. And, you know, I'm sure the move from Intel to Apple Silicon wasn't easy on this application, right? Because it's a totally different architecture. The way it reports to the system is really different. You you have efficiency cores and you have performance cores and the interaction between those isn't always clear. And really my, my hat's off to them for not only making this app great, but continuing to keep it great over the years. Yeah, I actually think it would be kind of a fun job to work on the user interface to this app because there are very few apps that report so much data out. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you make that attractive and easy to read? I think it's, it'd be a real fun challenge. And they, they've done a great job of it, but it is kind of interesting to see, you know, the data complexity that comes yeah. when you start. Because not only does the menu bar app give you the data in the menu bar, when you click on it, it has reporting underneath. And then as you mouse through that, it has further reporting. So you can get down into the weeds really quickly. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Go to macpaw.app slash MPU today, get 5% off and make your Mac as good as new. You want to make sure you can trust your Mac. The Mac is a crucial tool for work, education, and life. And MacPaw is on a mission to help machines help you, which is why they developed Clean My Mac X, an ideal decluttering app for your Mac that can keep it in tip-top shape. So what exactly does it do? Clean My Mac X includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. It helps to tune up your Mac so it runs at its maximum speed, plus it organizes disk space, showing large hidden folders, meaning you can free up tons of space so your Mac never runs into issues with storage. It fights Mac-specific malware and adware and protects your computer, and it prevents a Mac from cluttering, lagging, and slowing down. And the best thing is all this stuff is in a really easy-to-use user interface. You don't have to go off and do research projects. You just load Clean My Mac X, push the button, and let the work get done for you. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple and is also available in the Mac App Store so it's been checked for security, and it really stands out in its design. In 2021, Clean My Mac was honored with a Red Dot Award, a UX Design Award, and has become a Webby Award nominee this year. Get Clean My Mac X today with 5% off at macpaw.app slash MPU. Now, MacPaw is one of those Ukrainian developers that we are all trying to support, and they make this great application. That discount is only valid for two weeks, though. So go now to macpaw.app slash MPU for 5% off. And one final note, despite the war in MacPaw's home country, Ukraine, the teams worked hard to make sure there are no disruptions in support and development of Clean My Mac X. This product is stable, safe, and secure. I run it on my Mac. So our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Once again, that website is macpaw.app slash MPU. So we've got uh, a few apps here at the end that we wanted to, to make sure got mentioned, sort of an honorable mention section here. And actually two of these for me are actually brand new that I've just been impressed with right out of the gate. The first is called Play. It's two bucks. It's universal, so it runs on your Mac and your iPhone, iPad, and everything. And what 
it is, it is basically a read it later service, but for video. And so you can bring in YouTube videos. They have, they have Safari extension. You can just copy and paste into it and it will save a link to that video within the app. The app is also on the Apple TV, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that. So this is a great way to like, if you're like me, my Apple TV is not signed into my YouTube channel, but if I want to like access something for later, I can I can do it this way. Um, but once it's saved in the app, you can organize these videos. So there's a bunch of metadata that comes from YouTube. So like when it was uploaded, uh, when it was published, the length, you know, the title, the channel and everything. You can add your own notes. You can add your own tags and then organize by those tags. So say that your example I thought of was, you know, say that you, uh, like me, turn to YouTube often for how to do things, right? Like I can make tags like these are all my appliance videos, right? And next time my washing machine breaks, I can go in there and like find all the videos I've saved uh, tagged with appliance or with uh, washing machine. And, you know, you can save playlists on YouTube. I've always found it clunky. You have to make sure like it's a private playlist versus the public one, depending on what you want. And for two bucks, play totally solves that problem. It syncs with everything. And uh, it's it's brand new. Like it's been out not very long, but I've been really impressed so far. Yeah. And this is to contrast with apps that like download YouTube videos. There are apps that do that. Yes, this is not that. This- this is a playlist for, you know, any online video content. And this developer, Marcos Tanaka, is like quickly becoming one of my favorite developers. I feel like he really seems to get it in terms of like making this stuff easy for people to use and solving little like friction points we've had. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I I uh, second the nomination. This is a great app. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um the next one for me is kind of in, this, in a similar vein, like it's kind of a media app, and it's called Music Mini Player. Uh, so this app, <laughs> stick with me, it is a music app remote control. So it is not a music app replacement. It just controls the music app, but it looks like iTunes 10 in like the compact view. Yeah. And uh, it's awesome. Like, I I used to love the compact view on iTunes. I just leave it up in the corner of my screen so I could see what was playing at all times and get easy access to control it. And uh, now it's here. It's a free download, and I've had it up just the way where I used to keep iTunes in my power book back in college. And uh, music is still off on its own space, way to the right, but now I can just really quickly pause or change something or see what's playing and the nostalgia is fun. The design is gorgeous and uh, and it's free. Yeah, I wasn't aware of this till you added it to the show. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is I want this you know, yeah. because, you know, I have played with. So there are menu bar apps that allow you to like control iTunes from the menu bar. Of course, you can do it with keyboard shortcuts, but this does. It is nostalgic, but it also is just a great way to get the information you need about what's playing which really isn't that easy with the existing version of the music app. I don't, I don't know how they lost the thread on that, but music mini player. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I've got, I've got one that's not new, but I feel like still deserves honorable mention. Doesn't really get a a full show, but it's an app I use all the time. 
sometimes when I screencast, people will write in and say, what is that thing in your open menu, uh, your open apps or your save apps? You know what I'm talking about? Default folder 10, X, yep. X, 10, yeah. X. Yeah, default folder. I think it was the reason they have the the ten in the name is because they were on Next or they were on the Mac before. Yeah, it was Mac OS ten. But yeah, default folder is just this great little utility that um, replaces the open and save dialog boxes on the Mac for any app that follows the system. You know, defaults like like it doesn't work in Microsoft Word because they rewrote their own open save dialog. <laughs> of course, <box>. they did. <laughs> Yeah, right. You know, I, I suspect the same would be true for the Adobe apps, but the um, but it, it gives you a a save dialogue replacement and open dialogue replacement. It's also kind of a Finder assistant because they have a menu bar app that also gives you a lot of the same data. But it's just better at saving and opening. Like it has uh, automatically collects recently opened files and folders. So if you find yourself like working on a project, you are not going to need to navigate to that folder. The reason it got the name default folder was because I think the original feature of the app and is uh, just like if you have an app like Final Cut or whatever, you can say anytime I save a file out of this app, default to this specific folder to save files, which is really useful because a lot of times we have a default folder we want to save a certain type of file to. Um, you can designate favorites. And just navigating through the system is really quick. Everything has a little disclosure arrow next to it. Anytime you mouse over it, it shows you everything underneath it. Like sometimes when I'm saving things into my Obsidian database, there's a huge nested folder tree I have to go through. And I can do it really fast in default folder. And then when I'm done, I can save that as a as a favorite. And then I never have to do it again. And I just find it to be a really nice little you know app for that. And I, I I may be incorrect on this. I think it's actually a father-son development team. I'm not certain of that. But the last time I checked into this, I think that's what was going on. Like the dad was making it and then the son learned to code and now they're working on it together. And I think that's kind of like amazing. And I like supporting those little family operations. 35 bucks for the app or you can get it and set up. And it's just something I, I constantly am putting on my Macs. I, I really miss it when I don't have it. Yeah, and it's it's another example like iStat Menu um, and even Keyboard Maestro from earlier. It's a long-term Mac app, right? It's been around a long time, and they've done the work to keep it up-to-date with uh, Mac OS as it's gone through a bunch of changes, right? <laughs> Not only UI yeah. changes, which is important for an app like this, right? Like iStat Menu kind of looks like iStat Menu, but default folder X, it does to a degree need to work with the current look and feel of Mac OS, and not only have they done that, but they've also transitioned 32-bit to 64-bit Intel to Apple Silicon. And I always find a lot of respect for developers who find a way to make their app, you know, really have real longevity. Because something like this, it becomes so integrated into your workflow. If it were to go away, like you would have a real disruption. And they know that. And so they work hard to keep that at bay. One feature I forgot to mention, and I have to mention it or the emails will come, is that in default folder X, if you have a save dialog box open, but you have a finder window in the background, you know, because sometimes you've got like this weird location in your finder that you need to save something to. If you just click in the finder window in the background, default folder X automatically points itself at that folder. I love that feature. 
That's cool. That's really cool. We talked about this. I'll dig it up for the show notes. We did a find a replacement episode, I think, early on in my run. Yes, MPU 481, Finder and its alternatives. So uh, we got deeper into it in that episode. I'll put that in the notes if people are interested. I've got one last one, David. All right, hit me. It is Air Buddy 2. Uh, so this is uh, a Mac app that really started life as just a better way to uh, to manage your AirPods. So some of the automatic switching is weird. It's better on macOS now than it was, but it's still kind of busted on macOS at times. But uh, what Guy Rambo, the developer, w- what they've been able to turn it into is really like a whole management tool for all of your Bluetooth devices. So you can still open the case of your AirPods and you get a little notification showing you the battery level, but you can now do tons more with it. You can set up a notifications like, hey, your AirPods are low. I don't know about you, but I have the worst AirPod charging management ever. Like I'll go out for a bike ride or a jog or something and I'll pick them up and like there's the case is dead and there's like half life in the, in the AirPods themselves. Like I'm just bad at staying on top of it. And this has helped me with that because I can set up a notification and my AirPods. I bring with me out to the office every day. And so it's, Oh, Hey, you ought to drop those on the charger for a minute. I'm actually pretty good at that. I could, because I have a charger at my desk. If the phone's not there, I'll put the AirPod case on there and I'm good. Although I have a little confession to make. Okay. My AirPods, you know, the new AirPods, They've gone missing. I don't oh, know where no. they are. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they went missing in the house. I don't think I look because I, I rarely go out. Um, But I think I'm going to one day I'm going to open up a backpack or a jacket and there's going to be a pair of AirPods in the pocket. I just haven't figured out which backpack or pocket it is yet. So I, I'm using my old ones, which I kept and uh, with the long stems and the pretty dead battery. But you know, time travel podcasting, but at WWC, I think you'll likely see me with long stemmed AirPods because I cannot <laughs> find the other ones. That's terrible, man. I'm sorry. That's yeah. Oh, that and, stinks. Uh, and I didn't realize it in time because they do now have find my for the AirPods, but I'm sure the battery is like well and dead at this point. So I don't yeah. think it's going to help me. Well, I hope they show up. Yeah, they, they will. But the question is when, when, yeah, right after <laughs> you buy a new pair is what's going to happen. Yeah. Where AirBuddy has kind of evolved to is they've now brought a lot of this to the Magic Mouse, Magic Keyboard, and Magic Trackpad. So if you have AirBuddy on more than one machine, you can just with a single click basically move the keyboard and mouse to the other computer. So that's different than universal control, even though I think it's sort of a related feature set. Um, And there's also shortcut support now for connecting or disconnecting headphones. And so you could have a shortcut, you know, maybe to set up like a conference call and where you hide all your apps except Zoom. And the next step is, hey, connect my my AirPods for me. And so it's really become this like Bluetooth management application. And it's just gorgeous. Like I love the design of it. Uh, it's very modern and clean looking. And um, it's just it really makes dealing with Bluetooth devices a lot nicer than, than what Apple has built in, especially on the Mac, right? Cause 
I feel like you get into control center and you dig into the Bluetooth thing and I feel like my AirPods will connect and they won't stay connected. And with AirBuddy, it just makes it all easier to manage. Yeah, totally agree. And and you really had me at shortcut support. You know, it's like, yes, I want to be able to run shortcut commands on this stuff. All right. Well, those were some cool Mac apps. Yeah. Let us know in the forum any more that you think we should we should revisit. Uh, I know there was a big thread about Raycast. And so uh, I've got a link to that in the show notes as well. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's a great time for, for Mac software. It really is. I've, you know, the hardware has been under a renaissance and I think, I think some of that is going on on the software side now too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Um, it's truly remarkable where the Mac is, uh, compared to where it was <laughs> hardware, software development tools still need work. We've talked about that. Hopefully, uh, in the interim between us recording and publishing this podcast, Apple gave developers some good news, but uh, it, man, the Mac is definitely moving in the right direction. All right. We are the Mac power users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsors, SaneBox, text expander, indeed, and clean my Mac. You may have some cool Mac apps you want to share with us. Go over to the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. You can log in there. We have a thread for each new show. So, let us know what your favorite Mac cool apps are. Also, let us know what you thought about this format. I think it's kind of fun to be able to point at some of these smaller developers once in a while and and address apps like this. So we would like to continue to do this series, obviously, over time. And uh, if you dig it, let us know. Uh, either way, we'll see you next time.